It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is October 20th, 2020. My name is Phil Boston. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to start talking about the NBA draft. Ooh. I'm going to talk a little bit about draft philosophy, a point that Josh Robinson of The Athletic brought out that I know I have been hammering and repeating over and over again on Twitter. I will repeat that today about what the Magic's goals need to be in this draft, what the goals should be in any draft, really. And we'll talk about one of my favorite prospects in the entire NBA draft. That is Aaron Neesmith of the Vanderbilt Commodores. We'll talk about him. We'll hear from Brad Rowland of Locked on Hawks and his breakdown of Aaron Neesmith as well. So a lot to get to on today's show, a big one, as I'm sure Neesmith is a favorite or will become a favorite of many of you as we dive into this draft a little bit deeper. I'm hoping to do at least one draft kind of prospect preview over the ne- over the, the course of the podcast for the rest of this month. The NBA draft, of course, taking place November 18th, so we are less than a month away. I'm hoping to mix in some free agency talk as well, although that will have another month or so, almost a month until we get to that. It's, it's looking like December 1st is going to be the beginning of free agency. So we'll talk about a whole bunch of other issues, but I do want to make the show's focus a little bit more on the draft and who the Magic might pick as well as their draft strategy. So we'll get into all that coming up here over the course of the next week um, as just house cleaning as well. Um, I'm probably going to go to maybe a, more of a four-day-a-week format for a little while. Um, you know, like I, like I said earlier, I'm trying to push when my shows get reco- get recorded to a little bit uh, a little bit uh, later in the day so I'm not recording them overnight um, just just for my own personal health reasons um, since I work nights and getting home and, and working on this at like 1:32 in the morning is, is getting a little bit much and I, I'm happy to do that during the season um, but it's a little little rough right now so um, if you don't see podcasts come out till noon I'm gonna make sure there's there's space between podcasts if I do try and record two in one day I might try and record another one tonight we'll see what happens um, but Expect a new podcast in your in your inbox around noon every day. I am going to give it the morning. So if you're a morning listener, a new podcast will be there in the morning as well. So don't feel like you've missed anything. So before we dive into the NBA draft a little bit more, let me remind you to check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll hear from Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks. He has done a great job covering the NBA draft. We'll hear from him a lot more as he's profiled a lot of the players the Magic are frankly going to be looking at as well. So I'm going to lean on him and, and his expertise because, yes, the Hawks were out of the playoffs. They were probably focusing on the draft a little bit more than I was. So we'll, we'll lean on their expertise a little bit to break down some of these prospects and react a little bit to what, uh, what, is, going, what is going on around the league and, and what is going on uh, in the draft process. So check out Locked On Hawks when you get a chance, as well as the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Game one of the World Series is tonight, Tuesday night. Check out Locked On Rays for a complete preview and recap of the World Series. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, making their run for for a third for a possible third championship in Tampa. Tampa's got the Super Bowl and WrestleMania. Like Tampa's Tampa's getting all the fun stuff. 
Um, Locked on Bucks has he covered there. That's B-U-C-S, not B-U-C-K-S. Although Locked on Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks, is also a very good podcast too. You can check out all these great podcasts wherever you download podcasts today. Just search for, search for Locked on in the team you're looking for. The Locked on Podcast Network, it's your team every day. I have had this conversation about the NBA draft a lot. Um, I've had this conversation about how we evaluate Jeff Weltman as a drafter a lot. A lot of people would say, a lot of people come to me and say, you know, Mo Bamba isn't giving what the Magic need from a sixth pick. Or Jonathan Isaac, you know, him being in and out of the lineup, isn't giving the Magic what they need from a sixth pick. And, and what I typically will tell people is, you're thinking of the draft wrong. Yes, when you're drafting higher, you expect to get a more impact player, a player that can truly change a franchise. But at the end of the day, a successful draft is not about getting the star player. As, as I often like to point to people who prefer tanking or, or playing the lottery as a method to improve, while there are a lot of all-stars that were taken first in the draft, the real trick is knowing that only three players since 1997 taken number one in the NBA draft have won a title with the original team that drafted them. Can you name them? I'll give you a little bit. Do, 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 do. Okay, that's, that's, that, that's not interesting listening. The three players that have won the NBA championship as the number one pick with a team that drafted them since 1997, Kyrie Irving with the Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron James having left Cleveland and gone back, won a championship, of course, with Kyrie Irving, and the other one, the last one before them, Tim Duncan in 1997. And yeah, the Magic almost stole him in 2000. The point being that getting a star in the draft is absolutely vital, especially for a small market team like Orlando and and like Cleveland, to be honest. Having that star in place, again, that's the missing piece for the Orlando Magic. There's no doubt about this. this. The Magic need a star player. They need someone to be the, the, the guy that binds everything together. And, and honestly, I, I know I sometimes sound like an optimist on this front, but I truly believe the Magic are one star away from being a very serious and difficult team in the NBA. I mean, you saw what Jimmy Butler did to the Miami Heat. If the Magic could find their Jimmy Butler, so to speak, I think a lot of the issues that the Magic have would, they wouldn't completely disappear, but everything would tie together a, a lot better. As, as I mentioned, I think on yesterday's podcast, the issue with the Magic it's not that they have bad players, and that's something I, I'm, I'm planning to explore a little bit more with what the Athletics doing with their with their player rankings. The issue is not that the Magic have bad players. The Magic have good players that are probably relatively appropriately appropriately paid. That the salary structure is not the issue. The issue is they rely on players to do more than they're capable of doing. We'll get back to that point here in a minute, but back to the NBA draft. The goal then in the NBA draft, in my book, what makes a successful NBA draft is not whether you selected a star at the sixth pick. Again, although the pressure is certainly higher to make that pick correct with, with the guys that come behind you and say, how did you miss on that guy? No. To me, what a successful draft is, did you get a player who can play in the NBA? Did you get a guy who can sustain through that first rookie contract and prove that he belongs, that you're willing to pay at the end of that contract? How much you pay him and what role you put him in is certainly... The, the varying degrees of success. You know, an A draft is, yes, you get a superstar. A B draft is you get a starting player. A, a B minus draft is you get a rotation caliber player. A failing draft, a draft that that where, where a team does not succeed, is when they get guys that can't play. You want to ask where the Magic's first rebuild under Rob Hennigan went really off the rails when, when everything started to collapse? 
That was a rebuild based on high draft picks. That whole rebuild was based on collecting players through the draft and having them go into the starting lineup and become a team, a functional team on the court. Where things went wrong, Mario Hazonia wasn't able to play basketball. Sorry, Mario, we love you, but he's really he still really struggles to stay on the floor in rotation. That's not an accident. That was a bad draft pick. And again, I, I didn't disagree with the logic of taking him at the time. And a lot of the draft is just pure guesswork. You don't know. You don't know how these players are going to translate from the college game to the pro game. Again, point we'll make with Aaron Neesmith that I, th- that I think is encouraging. We don't know how they're going to play at this level. We don't know what circumstances are going to befall them. The favored pick for the Magic in the, two, in the 2014 draft when the Magic took Aaron Gordon was Dante Exum. Everyone thought, go get the, the, the big point guard in Dante Exum. And who knows what Dante Exum would have become but he tore his ACL twice in his first four years. Again, maybe that's a lesson for Jonathan Isaac, although I think I still I still have hope for Exum. I think Cleveland is a good spot, and I hope that he gets gets at least some opportunity to, to prove himself again in Cleveland. I've certainly enjoyed playing with him in NBA 2K, 2K my team with, with that Evo card they gave him uh, on, on, on domination. But that's neither here nor there. The fact of the matter is the draft is complete guesswork. It is. It's it's Throwing a, you know, you do the best to research to understand who the kid is or who the person is, um, how they'll fit into the team and, and try and project how they'll play in the NBA. But the fact of the matter is, you don't know. You have no clue. You don't know how he's going to respond to the grind of an 82-game season. There is no way to simulate that before you get there. You have no idea whether he's going to put in the work, whether he's going to fit in with older players, what kind of role you're going to put him in, whether that will be a role that he can succeed in. You don't know any of these things. And so to me... A successful draft is did you draft someone that can play? Did you draft someone that can clearly prove himself and put some type of work in or put some type of contribution to an NBA team? That is a successful draft. Now you look at Jeff Weltman's drafts and I think you can say that he is at the very least a good drafter. Jonathan Isaac is an NBA player. Injuries have been unfortunate and unlucky. But he's an NBA player. As I've often said, he is the only player on this Magic team with an elite skill. Mo Bamba. I think the jury is still a little bit out on him. But from the progress we saw from his rookie season to his sophomore season, he looks like he can be at least a backup center. Again, maybe not completely what you want at the sixth pick, which we'll get into here in a minute. I'm not, I'm not discounting that argument. But he looks like he can play. He does not look completely lost. He can make an impact on the floor. He can give you something. Again, I think the jury's still out, and I think we want to see what he does this coming year now that he's put on a lot of the weight and now that he's been through almost an entire NBA season as a rotation player. Mo Bamba is someone that is due for a big leap, and, and I will say this completely here. both For both Mo Bamba and Chuma Okiki, who we haven't seen at all, so we don't know if he's a player yet, the Magic need both Mo Bamba and Chumo Kiki to hit. They need both of them to contribute something next year. They need both of them to be good draft picks. Like I said, though, there are varying degrees of what is successful. Just because you didn't fail in the draft doesn't mean you're great at it or you're getting exactly what you need. Because yes, when you have one of those lower numbers, when you have a 1, a 2, a 3, a 4, a 5, a 6, a 7, or you know, 8, 9, 10 attached to your name, when you have those numbers attached to your name, there is a lot more weight to that pick because yes, that means you have the pick of who you want. You, you aren't limited by the teams ahead of you. And when Donovan Mitchell goes 
11, 12 and becomes a superstar player, you're asked, why didn't you pick him? What didn't you see in him? As I often tell people, though, you can only go with the information you have at the time, and this stuff is really, really difficult to protect. There's a reason these draft picks fall the way they do every single time. Nobody learns their lesson about taking players. And again, I think that's something we'll get into when we talk about R.J. Hampton uh, and some of those players that that maybe struggled a little bit in college. You know, R.J. Hampton, Cole Anthony, who undoubtedly have a ton of talent but just didn't fit well with their, with their teams that they played with last year. So we'll talk a little bit about this phenomena and, and how the Magic should approach drafting with the 15th pick with an eye on maybe getting someone with high upside with star potential that just may have slipped through the cracks a little bit. But this is about what makes a successful draft pick. This is what about what makes a successful franchise. You can draft good players and still not get the most out of the draft. So just because you have a good draft or just because you make good draft decisions, you draft guys that can contribute, doesn't mean that you're doing well. A great example of this is actually Steve Clifford's Charlotte Hornets teams. You go back and look at the Charlotte Hornets draft drafts throughout their throughout their their run with Steve Clifford. They took Kemba Walker obviously before Clifford got there, but they took Michael Kidd. They had Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who was a number two overall pick, a good defender, couldn't stay healthy, could never develop an offensive shot. They took Cody Zeller, I believe, with the fourth pick. He's turned into a at least a rotation backup level center. They they've taken. Um, you know, Miles Bridges, who looks very, very good. They took P.J. Washington last year, obviously, when James Borrego was there. They've t- they took uh, uh, Noah Vonley and traded him for Nicholas Batum in, in an all-in move that, that got Charlotte to the playoffs. You go back and look at Charlotte's roster with Steve Clifford there, they had a lot of draft picks that the Hornets made. A lot of their own draft picks contributed to their team and were part of their success. I often said that Charlotte was very good at hitting singles in the draft. And that's great. You know, again, the baseball metaphor works. You hit a single, you get on base. That's fantastic. But if you're going to play small ball, you got to be able to you got to be able to succeed and get those players around base, so to speak. And that is free agency. You go back and look at Charlotte's free agent decisions, and that's where they got themselves in trouble. I know there's a lot of fear among Magic fans, and this is no offense to Charlotte Hornets fans or or how the Charlotte built their team. I actually admired how Charlotte built their team. I thought that they did a very good job just making small, smart moves to stay competitive. Um, but again, maybe they needed to make the all-in move to save Kemba Walker, and maybe they made that with Batum, and it didn't quite work out because those are the decisions that bury you. Signing Nicholas Batum into that contract and him not being able to live up to it, that's what buried the Charlotte Hornets a lot. And they've done that with several of their other players where you know maybe they overpaid a little bit to keep them, but they weren't able to kind of take their game beyond just being a player, just being someone who can play in this league. So yes, there are varying degrees to this. And the Magic are very much kind of in that area. I know a lot of the criticism of the Magic is they've worked really hard to retain their own players, and that's put a little bit of a ceiling on their team. And I'm not denying that. I agree with it. The players that the Magic have probably aren't good enough to take them to the next level. And they're going to have to make some moves, some all-in moves perhaps, in the very near future, to get to that next level. Meanwhile, the Magic have drafted, you know, maybe we could call Jonathan Isaac a double. Elite player, potential all-defensive team player, but not someone you completely build around. Not someone that gets you so close to home that you're one step away. They drafted Mo Bamba, who, you know, maybe we're still legging that one out, but we're, we're pretty sure we'll be safe. You know, that that's, that's the truth. We don't really know what Chuma Okiki is yet. You know, eventually you hit a lot of singles, you do get home. You know, that, that's, that's the truth too. 
Um, but this is where the metaphor falls apart. But the draft is really just about getting guys on base, getting guys into the team and figuring out what you can do with them next. It's free agency that's supposed to supplement and, and really maximize what you do in the draft and maximize your team. So where are the Magic then? What do the Magic need from this draft? With the Magic's you know, kind of precarious free agent situation with Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba and Markel Fultz now getting set for extensions, both uh, Isaac and Fultz are extension eligible this summer, this year before they go into free into restricted free agency in 2021. I suspect that Fultz will go into restricted free agency. I still think there's an outside chance the Magic just get a deal done with Jonathan Isaac and be done with it. Just show the commitment to him, show that they're that they're they're with him through his injury, and you know maybe they can get Isaac to take a team friendly deal uh, to to just get to just take care of it now and avoid restricted free agency. I think there's a very real possibility of that I think the Magic like him not much and they trust him and believe in him not much and. That's going to be a very telling contract. Like, I, I don't think, maybe it deserves its, well, it does deserve its own podcast and we'll get into it, but the decision to extend Jonathan Isaac is probably going to be the most important decision that Jeff Weltman makes. That's probably going to be a decision that defines his tenure, whether that gamble, that risk works. We don't know what we have in Chuma Okiki and Mo Bamba will become a restricted free agent in 2022. Or in 20, uh, 2022, yeah. So we still got two more years of Mo Bamba to figure out what he is. By the end, as, as one thing that Rob Hennigan said does stick out to me, for the most part, a player is what they are by the end of their rookie contract. You know exactly who they are and what they're going to be by the end of that rookie contract. Obviously, the magic of two rookies where two guys on rookie contracts where they don't really know what they're going to be. Markel Fultz will be entering his second full season in the NBA when he becomes restricted free agent. Jonathan Isaac will have played only one full season in his, in his four when he enters his rookie contract, although the Magic still have a pretty good idea of what he can be. These are big decisions, big, risky, weighty decisions that are going to determine the future of this franchise and this team and just how far they can go and just how good they can be. And with all that as a background, that's why this draft is important. The Magic can't rely on free agency to supplement their roster right now. At least it's currently constructed, at least how their cap currently plays out. They're not getting new players. They're not getting new impact players from free agency. And it's unfair to put all the weight on the draft. But the Magic need a player in the draft. They cannot miss. They cannot afford to waste assets and waste resources, which a draft pick is. And I think it's fair to criticize Jeff Waltman for how he's used his late first and early second round draft picks. The Magic cannot waste these resources. They need to hit on this draft. They need to hit on this player that's coming up. That doesn't mean they need to be a star. I'm not saying they need to be a star, but they need to be a rotation caliber player that can contribute to this team. Chumo Kiki included, whoever they pick with the 15th pick included. A successful draft is where you get a player, where you get someone that can contribute and work for the team. That's the truth. That is the bottom line. But there are obviously varying degrees, and the Magic are certainly in a dangerous spot. We'll talk about one player that I do think has some star potential and could really fill a lot of the Magic's needs in Aaron Neesmith coming up here in just a moment. But first... Your car is your baby. It goes everywhere you go, it, especially here in Florida. It is the necessary means to get around. And that's why you got to trust rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If you take care of your car, rockauto.com is where you need to go to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. 
The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Additionally, today's podcast is also brought to you by Built Go. Built Go is the energy gel that you need to break through your wall. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take, comes in one and a half ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase uh, your for the most focused presentation ever. Your golf bag to power through the back nine. God knows I need that. Or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. Currently comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast, and it's easy on the stomach. It's also loaded with good stuff to ignite your work like beta alanine, B3, honey, and a little kick of caffeine. It also keeps you going strong with B6 and B12 vitamins. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's dive into the individual prospects. The promising this, we're going to go into some of the prospects that the Magic are looking at in the NBA draft. Of course, the Magic selecting 15th in the first round, the end of the, just the first to pick after the lottery, actually. So you can still get a very, very good player at 15. Um, you know, don't think that this is a throwaway pick. And again, this is a pick where the Magic need to get someone who can contribute in the rotation. The larger global picture of this draft class is a draft class that isn't very heavy at the top. I know I've made this point several times. I don't think the Magic should trade up to first or second. You know, I, I know a lot of people have been loving this idea of trading up to, to the second pick with Golden State, you know, even taking on Andrew Wiggins' monstrosity of a contract in order to do so. And frankly, I'm not interested in that. The players at the top of this draft, or the players that are slated to go at the top of this draft, do not interest me. Now, if the Magic want to take another kind of player that isn't expected at that pick, all by all means. And, and as I've said repeatedly as well online, I'll say it again here, whoever the Magic absolutely want in this draft, if the Magic believe that there is their future star in this draft, go get him. Whatever it costs, whatever you need to do to get him, get that player. If, if, if the Magic believe their future star is here, do it today. I firmly believe that. They need to be bold and decisive. And if they are certain that, you know, Anthony Edwards is their guy, go get him. If they're certain LaMelo Ball is their guy, go get him. You know, if they if they're Sir James Wiseman is their guy, go get him. That's that is my my real opinion on this draft. I don't see that person. I don't think that player is there. However, there are several players that are going to be probably taken in the like seven to twelve range uh, 
that I am really high on and that I think the Magic should very seriously look into pursuing and going after. And one of those players is the player we're going to talk about today. Aaron Neesmith of Vanderbilt. Aaron Neesmith had a shortened season. He broke his foot, uh, or he had a stress fracture in his foot um, midway through the season. So he didn't play a full season this year. But what he did this year was extraordinary. Like, really, really big stuff. Stuff that makes you think that, okay, he, he has a fit in this league somewhere. He averaged 23 points per game while shooting 52.2% from beyond the arc. That's great. That's so good. No, it gets better. He had a 65.9% effective field goal percentage and a 68.5% true shooting percentage with a 26.3% usage rate. That is high efficiency on high usage. It's really good stuff. And, and, and the best part is he's a player that I think really fits into a team structure, provided that he's healthy. The measurables, because they matter for this team, he's six foot six with a six foot ten wingspan. Check that box. Wingspan's longer, bigger than him, although certainly I, I, I'm probably not the extreme lengths that the Magic have gone to uh, in their in their draft so far, in their draft history with Jeff Weltman so far. Obviously, Neesmith fits an extreme need. The Magic need shooting. They need it desperately. And Neesmith is a great three-point shooter. But it's not just that he's a great three-point shooter. He's a great three-point shooter on the move, doing a lot of things that you are asked to do in an NBA offense. You know what? I'll provide what I think about him in a little bit. But first, let's hear from Brad Rowland of Locked on Hawks and his breakdown of Aaron Neesmith. Neesmith was a two-year guy at Vanderbilt. He actually got hurt this year, about midway through the season and never came back. But he'll be 21. His birthday is actually the night of the draft, October 16th. He'll turn 21. So he'll play his rookie season at 21, which is not old, but not super young for a two-year guy. Um, I know he was at Vanderbilt, which is not exactly always a basketball factory, but he was a pretty good four-star high school prospect. Not an elite guy, but made a huge jump in year two. Um, but just to get this out of the way, his shooting numbers in, at Vanderbilt in a 14-game season this year were just unbelievably ridiculous. He shot 50, 52% from three. Uh, it's a relatively small sample size. It's only 115 attempts, but still, uh, 52% from three is pretty crazy on real volume, um, even if, even in a pretty small sample size of games. Uh, that is his biggest trait for people that don't, that don't know anything about him. He's about a 6'6", uh, sort of combo wing type. Um, definitely a shooting specialist, potentially, but de- you know, I would say number one appeal is obviously his jump shot. Everyone agrees on that. I think everyone agrees he's going to be a good shooter. It's kind of just the the the, the, the sort of the degrees of that, like how good of a shooter is he going to be? Is he going to just be a game changer in that way, or is he more of a role player, um, you know, three and D type of guy? So that's where the sort of the consensus is on him. I will say this. You know, no one's going to shoot as well as he did this year at Vanderbilt. But I do, th- I do believe in the shooting. I think he's going to be a really high end shooter. W- whether he'll be like an an elite guy, I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, I need to see more from that. But I do believe in the shooting. Um, I will say this: I like Nismith's defense more than most people do. I don't, I don't think he's going to be great, but he's pretty physical. He's pretty uh, strong. I think he's going to be just fine. I don't think he's going to be great necessarily, but I think he actually does. Kind of fit the three and D archetype as someone who I think you definitely want for his offense first and foremost. But he's a supporting player. He is a role player, like you said. I think I guess maybe people have convinced themselves that he can be more than that. I don't really love him on the ball at all. I think he is more of an off movement, off screens, off curls kind of shooter, um, floor spacer type than an on ball player. And with that archetype, 
I think the three and D concept makes a lot of sense for him. And as a result of that, I have him like somewhere in the late lottery, maybe even mid mid first rounds. So kind of around where he's generally projected. I wouldn't consider him in the top 10, but I think somewhere when you, when you get down to like 13, 14, 15, there are lots of teams that could use him. And honestly, we'll talk about Devin Vassell in a little bit, but Neesmith is different than Vassell, but I think he is someone who pretty much would work anywhere. His defense is not like Vassell's. I, I think it's definitely more of a question mark, but because I believe in his defense, it's pretty easy to plug and play Neesmith in, uh, in different places. That's a pretty good summary of Aaron Neesmith, and, and I think as you can tell, that was reported before the NBA drafting was moved. And I think something that, that we are experiencing or that we're seeing, I think, play out, at least in how, how everyone's projecting mock drafts, is because the NBA draft has been moved around so much and, and, and contact with players has been so limited, I think guys like Aaron Neesmith and like Devin Vassell, who's probably, you know, this draft, at least for Magic fans, is going to be, are you a Neesmith guy or a Vassell guy? Um, I think what we're seeing is players that have very clearly defined skills are rising uh, a little bit, at least in in... in public perception than guys that might be a little bit of a potential play. Um, you know, I think I think someone like Neesmith, I, I think he won't be around at 15. I think he'll be gone by the 10th pick. I think he is a top 10 pick in this draft, uh, especially now that I think some some team the teams that are going to be interested, hopefully, will be able to get a get a, to, to sit down with him and, and check the injury and make sure that he's fully healthy. Again, you know, Mo Bamba went through a stress fracture, stress fracture in his leg or a fracture in his leg. It takes a full year to regain full strength. Um, you know, I, I know I make that point a lot with Mo Bamba, about how, how you know, yes, he could play, but you could still see the Magic were managing him, and you could really see that Bamba's play, or at least his activity and his shooting percentages, ticked up a lot um, after 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 that the one year anniversary of that injury in late January. So, um, you know, I'm not again, big men are a little bit different than guards and wings. Um, so I think Neesmith will be able to play and will be able to contribute something. Um, the, the shooting thing is a real thing. Um, and what I think is most important to look at with Neesmith is how he got his shots at Vanderbilt. If you go watch tape of him, you're seeing a lot of, like, the sets are definitely run for Neesmith. And I agree with Brad's point that Neesmith isn't great on the ball. He isn't a one-on-one player. He isn't going to play make. He isn't going to create for others. That's not his game. His game is very much in the Rip Hamilton, you know, almost Terrence Ross, although his shot release isn't as quick as Terrence Ross's. He is very much about moving off of screens and, and getting shots off cuts. And he's a very, very smart cutter. And this is why I think Neesmith is a runaway prospect. Um, you know, honestly, if you ask me if I'm a Vassell guy or a Neesmith guy, I have Neesmith rated ahead of Vassell because I think his shooting ability is significantly better than Vassell's. And, and enough to make up the gap that where Vassell's a much better defender, I think, I think Neesmith makes up that gap with his shooting. Um, and again, everyone weighs that stuff differently. But what's really interesting is Neesmith had this gigantic leap in his efficiency and his scoring since Jerry Stackhouse came in. And I think this context is super important when you're evaluating Neesmith. Jerry Stackhouse, you might remember, uh, was the G League coach for for Raptors 905 when they won the G League championship. When the Magic hired Steve Clifford, a lot of Magic fans assumed they were going to hire Jerry Stackhouse. So essentially, Vanderbilt got an NBA coach to coach this kid. And not only did he succeed in an NBA-style system and running NBA-style cuts, you know, go watch video of him. He's running elevator screens. He's he's reading defenses and spacing himself to the corner. He's, he's making NBA moves um, off, off ball. He not only thrived 
he succeeded in an NBA system, but he thrived in it. He got better. He got significantly better. He was able to shoot significantly better uh, in an NBA system. And I think that bodes very, very well. Now, there are a lot of questions. He's, he's not a super athletic guy, um, so he's not finishing at the rim. He's, again, not really great attacking the basket. He's not going to beat you off the dribble. But what he does do off the dribble is a lot of those NBA moves that you see shooters make. He does the buddy-heeled sidestep where, you know, pump fake, sidestep, pop a three. He has all those moves already in his arsenal. And as long as he can extend out to the NBA range, which doesn't seem like it'll be a problem. He's like a 90% free throw shooter. Um, so the range should follow. Um, he, he's got all those moves. So again, it, I cannot think, honestly, of a prospect that is more perfectly fit for what the Magic need today than Aaron Neesmith. Um, defensively, he is a good off-ball defender, but his lack of athleticism um, hurts him a little bit in individual defense. But if you're bringing him in and you're not expecting him to be a star, if you're expecting him to be a floor spacer, three and you know three and D type guy coming off the bench or as a secondary defender, that's the perfect role for him. And that's honestly the role the Magic would have for him if he came in here. A lot of people, a lot of Magic fans, and we've discussed this on the podcast too, have said the Magic should go after Buddy Heald. They should go expend assets to get Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald's a fine player. I don't, I don't dislike Buddy Heald. He'd do a lot of the same things. Aaron Neesmith would be significantly cheaper. And if the Magic want Buddy Heald, Go get Aaron Neesmith. Seriously, go get Aaron Neesmith. That, that, that option to me is just as good as Buddy Heald. The only difference is Buddy Heald's been a little more proven, but that, that four years left on his deal scares me off a little bit if I'm, if I'm the Magic and I'm trying to get married to him. The only question with me with Neesmith is the injury. Um, you know, whenever guys hurt, you do have to ask questions, and this Magic franchise doesn't have a great history of signing guys who are coming off of major foot and leg injuries. Um, but again, he's had lots of time now. Uh, the injury happened, I think it was in December, so it's been almost a year since it happened. Uh, there's no reason to think he wouldn't be absolutely ready to go. Uh, you know, certainly, certainly seems like he would be ready to play today if the Magic needed. If the, if the Magic needed him to play, he'd be ready to make his rookie debut. Um, if I were the Magic, that would be a guy that I would want to make sure I get in my building uh, and 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 put him through his paces myself. He's a guy that I think the Magic should seriously be considering. And you know, I'm working on my on my Magic specific big board. I can tell you this. I'm going to have Aaron Neesmith higher on my big board than he's actually going to get drafted. That's that's the truth. This is a guy that I think the Magic should target. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I'm selling out everything to get him, but if I can convince a team to let me trade up into that 7-8 spot, I don't know who's pick. I, I know New York's 8th and the Knicks don't really have much that, that I'm interested in, um, but, you know, like 7th, ninth pick, pick to get him or to get a guy like Vassell, who we'll talk about a little bit later, that's absolutely something that I'm going to do. Um, you know, I, I think that, that, that Aaron Neesmith has all the tools to be successful at the NBA level. The scoring's there. The shooting's there. The rest of the stuff, he seems willing and, and able to work hard to, to, to be good, at, good enough at it to contribute to a team. And I, I think that all the puzzle pieces are there for Neesmith to be a real impact player. And, and I think the Magic need to make sure that they've done their homework on him and have explored every opportunity that they can to go get him. That's going to be our first NBA draft prospect. We'll talk about plenty more coming up in the next few episodes. But I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr_md. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr_md. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. The Atlanta Magic Daily Mailbag is still open. I'm hoping to answer questions here in the next week. 
uh, we'll have a mailbag episode here on Locked On Magic. So send me your questions on Twitter at omagicdaily or by email at omagicdaily at gmail.com. It's a lot to get to and a lot to digest today. We're just starting with our draft prep here on the show. So we'll get to another one hopefully tomorrow or on our next episode. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.